Welcome to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, featuring members of the world champion Texas Rangers. Presented by the Fairfield Inn and Suites, Waco North. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast. I'm author and oral historian Jackson Michael. On January 17th, 2024, members of the world champion Texas Rangers visited the Texas Sports Hall of Fame as part of the annual Rangers Winter Caravan Tour and as part of the Hall of Fame's Lone Star Luncheon Series. It was a fantastic sold-out event that featured Rangers players Cody Bradford and Josh Smith, as well as third base coach Tony Beasley and bullpen coach Brett Hayes. The session was moderated by Rangers play-by-play announcer Eric Nadal, a member of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame's media wing. Afterward, the general public got to collect autographs and have their picture taken with the World Series trophy, engraved with the Texas Rangers name on it. Waco Mayor Dylan Meek also spoke at the luncheon. He declared January 17, 2024 as Texas Rangers Day in Waco, and awarded the Rangers the key to the city. In this podcast, you'll hear highlights from Eric Nadell asking players and coaches about the Rangers' journey to their first ever World Series championship. You will also hear quotes from a media press conference that was held after the event. A Rangers World Series exhibit is now on display at the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, and future Lone Star luncheons are being planned. The annual induction banquet is also coming up, and the annual Bob Lilly Classic Golf Tournament will take place this summer. You can learn how you can attend Texas Sports Hall of Fame events in person at the Hall of Fame's official website, tshof.org. That's tshof.org. You can also follow the Texas Sports Hall of Fame on its social media channels, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Eric Nadal started the afternoon's program by asking everyone how winning the World Series has changed their lives. It's been an amazing offseason. It seems to me like we're living in an alternate universe now. Everywhere I go, I'm reminded that the Rangers are the World Series champions. Uh, I'm getting recognized in places I don't usually get recognized in. I'm a radio guy. There have actually been people who've recognized me. And I wanted to get this started by asking these guys how their lives have changed since the Rangers won the World Series. Cody Bradford actually got to pitch a couple of times in the World Series. Uh, He was a winning pitcher in one of the Division Series games. Gave up just one run in seven and two-thirds innings in the postseason. How have things been different for you since winning the World Series? Uh, everything has changed, uh, to be honest. There's a lot of stuff that's changed, but uh, it, it, winning the World Series allowed my wife and I to buy our first house and move up to Dallas, so it's been incredible. Yeah. You grew up as a Ranger fan. Did you think that you would be part of a Ranger World Series team in your lifetime? Never, never. I, I don't think I could have dreamt a dream that big, so uh, it was a real honor getting to pitch for a hometown team. and. Uh, it's great to be back in Waco today. So. Are you finding people are recognizing you more? 
Every now and then. Every now and then. Not, not, not too much. Since the so. That's right. Yeah, that was my disguise. <laughs> Josh Smith is out of LSU from Baton Rouge. Uh, you've stayed in the area. How have things been different for you? Uh, it's been pretty crazy, honestly. Um, I feel like everybody was like, I mean, I'm sure everybody's still big Cowboys fans, but a lot of the hype was the Rangers. I just know, I guess, like you said, walking around, people kind of stop you every now and then. Um, and like Cody, we're actually able to move to Dallas now that we were lucky enough to win the World Series. So um, it's just, it's been nuts. It's, it's been really fun. Um, I think a lot of the guys are just preparing for next season already at the field and hopefully try to do it again. Tony, you uh, went through some lean years with the Rangers. Uh, actually, some really good teams when you first came. Uh, playoff teams, and then uh, a lean period. Uh, what about you? You went back to Virginia. What, what's it been like for you? Yeah, I'm from a small town in Virginia, and I mean, winning the World Series was everything back home. Um, uh, you, you'd be surprised how many people in Virginia are Texas Rangers fans now. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you know, we, we were one of two teams playing, and so everyone got to watch us, and everyone that knew me you know, watch the Texas Rangers and people that were Orioles fans, Braves fans, now they're Ranger fans, and so it's awesome. So I went back home uh, to the parade, and I've mean, had like all types of events to honor me and stuff like that that I'm not used to, and I'd really like to stay under the radar, but I haven't been able to, and so more speaking engagements. And, you know, every week I, I gotta go somewhere and speak to some group or so my off season's really been just hectic and nothing like it's ever been in the past. But I wouldn't trade it for the world. So so blessed and thankful uh, because never in my lifetime would I thought I'd be a part of a World Series championship team as well. So just blessed and thankful uh, for this opportunity. What was that parade like? Nothing like the one in Texas. I can tell you. <laughs> A small town, it was probably less than a mile. We went in a straight stretch, and by the time we got to the last stoplight, it was over. But it wasn't 500 to 700,000 people, it was like 50 to 70 people. But, but it was a lot of fun, and uh, you know, to be honored in your hometown is, is special. I've been in the game a long time, and uh, for my hometown uh, family, I would say, to embrace me the way they did and support me. Uh, because I've been in the game since 89 and I've never spent a summer at home. So to have, to, know, to understand that people appreciate what you do and, and how you accomplish things over your life is, is special. So I'm just thankful for the Texas Rangers for allowing me to be a part of this. This is Tony's 10th year in the Ranger organization. It's Brett Hayes' 7th year. He's spent the last two as a bullpen coach. He's a former big league catcher. Caught about 200 games with the Royals and Marlins and Cleveland. And you know, what's it been like for you since winning the World Series? Well, I didn't get a parade, so I, <laughs> it's hard to top that. But um, no, uh, the World Series ended on you know the first. I think uh, by the third, I was uh, dropping kids off at school, so I got three little ones. So I was right back to daddy, daddy duty. Uh, but it's been pretty low key. I've been living in Dallas now for 12 years. Uh, consider it home. I, I feel like I'm an honorary Texan now, but um, you know, I think the best part for me were just, you know, friends, you know, talking about their experiences, watching the games. You know, we won a lot of games on the road, so we didn't really get to experience the home crowd, but 
thought it was really cool was hearing, you know, friends of mine talking about their, their dads and their grandparents and how just emotional it was for everybody to experience this for the first time. So being able to be a part of the first one, I think that's the most memorable thing for me and just hearing all the stories, that's been really special. How about the parade? That was really an emotional experience for me to see the faces of 600,000 people and, and how joyful they were. What, what was the parade experience like for you? I mean, it's really hard to put into words. I mean, I, I was in a car with my three kids, my wife and my mom, and I remember we were inside the stadium, and then you're in there just kind of hanging out, and the second you walk out those doors, you just feel the electricity in the air, and you know, the you know, hundreds of thousands of people, and you, know, you can hear them, and they get in the trucks, and you got a little you know, height advantage, and you see how deep they are, and just the looks on people's faces, the chanting, the screaming, just the excitement that it brought those people, the joy it brought them, it just made you know, all the struggle, all those lean years just, totally worth it. So um, it was just an absolute, just a joy. I mean, for me, that, that parade was like the first time that I really felt like we had won the World Series. Uh, as a third base coach, it's so laser focused and the preparation that goes into it and, you know, not wanting to like make a mistake at third, like not send a guy, send a guy and cost us the game, stuff like that. So just so focused during the series that it really when we won it, I mean, yeah, we celebrated, we had a good time with each other, but I didn't really feel it because it's kind of numb. You have to put yourself in that scenario, not get high, not get low, and just stay so even killed uh, in the midst of those games. So I, I didn't feel it until the parade. But when I got in the back of that Toyota Tundra and, and we proceeded out to a crowd of 500,000 plus, and just to, just to feel the excitement from the fan base and you just understand what it meant uh, all those years waiting to win a World Series and you could kind of feel that, the appreciation uh, for the fan that we've given them something really, really special. That's when it felt like we had won the World Series to me and like, that, was, that was the first moment that I felt like, yeah, we're the World Series champs. Josh, what was it like for you? Um, I remember a couple guys were um, trying to get there, like driving and um, you literally couldn't even get there because it was so blocked off. We had to call cops to come let us in and everything. Um, and then they finally like opened the barricades and we got in and we're just driving and it's something that I'll never forget. Just, yeah, just it just felt fake. Like everything felt like a dream. My wife's bawling, crying, like people are screaming. Um, and then you walk out and you just see, yeah, it's, people are sprinting at your car. It's, it was nuts. It was, um, just felt like a dream, kind of like, Coach Beasley said, "It's like um, that's the first time that it felt. That's the first time it felt like we won the World Series. Kind of everything sank in a little bit. Um, we got to enjoy it with everybody. That's a moment that I'll never forget." Cody, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big people person, but uh, the parade was was really exciting. Something like like these guys have all said, like I will never forget that experience for the rest of my life. Next, Nadal asked about what the team thought going into spring training of 2023. The discussion also turned toward manager Bruce Bochy and the Rangers pitching staff. Josh, in spring training last year, you're part of a team that had lost 94 games the year before. What were you guys thinking in spring training in terms of uh, the way the season might go? I'd be lying if I said I thought we were going to win the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> You go from losing that many games. Um, granted, our, our ownership has done an outstanding job with bringing in the 
Corey Seegers, DeGrom, Scherzers, all these guys, Simeons. And so we, we kind of, I guess in spring, for me, it was, it was my first, first uh, spring where I was trying to make a team. And so that was a, a big focus for me. And so you're not even really worried about the World Series um, down the line. And then once you make the team, uh, you, you kind of start bonding with the guys. And then you realize, like, dang, this team's actually pretty good. We got a pretty good shot. And then uh, I think one of the bigger guys that we got was Nathan Ivaldi who had done it before, and just to see how he kind of went about things, like he's a World Series champ and he's a leader for us, and I thought that was really cool to see him develop throughout the year and just kind of lead us there, so. And you go to spring training with a set infield in front of you, being an infielder, but now having to become an outfielder as well, um, how much work did you put in in spring training on, on learning to play left field? Not a ton, actually. <laughs> um, I feel like being an infielder or a shortstop, you're hopefully gifted with the ability to play multiple positions. Um, shortstop and infield have always been natural to me, but uh, we got pretty good shortstop and pretty good second baseman, so I don't think those spots are up for grabs. <laughs> and, uh, just, just being a team guy wherever I can be, um, I feel like I'm athletic enough to go play in the outfield if I need to. And Tony, what were you thinking in spring training? You're like the most positive guy who I've ever met. No, I, I had an optimis optimistic outlook. I didn't think about us winning the World Series, uh, but I knew we'd be better. I mean, because the, the, the year prior, we lost 90 plus games, but we lost so many one-run games too, like 30, almost 40. And so with the addition of the pitching that we got with, uh, with Evaldi and, uh, and DeGrom, I felt like we were going to be able to match teams on the mound. And so those one-run games, we weren't going to, there weren't going to be one-run games because we would hold teams at bay. We already had a good offense. And so I thought we would be a playoff team. I didn't know that we'd win the World Series because I felt like Houston was still a very complete team and probably still the measuring stick in our division. And they showed that they were all year long. They beat us pretty handedly all year long outside of the first series at their place. Uh, but we had a team that knew how to play and we had players that had won before, um, like uh, Smitty said. And so once we got into the season, we just started believing and uh, we held first place for a long time. And then we kind of faltered at the end. The way we ended the season, I was like, oh geez, you know, we would go to Tampa and just, we don't know what's gonna happen because we weren't playing very well. But something happened from that flight to Seattle to Tampa. And um, we, the way we played in Tampa, I was like, man, if we, we can beat anybody if we play our type of baseball. And we just started doing that. Uh, I still didn't know we won the World Series. But I felt like we had a good team going into spring training that we would get into the playoffs and we exceeded that. Brett, what were you thinking in spring training? You know, you go with these expectations, uh, you know, call it the boat effect, but I just felt like his opening speech in spring training just was, you know, rather powerful and moving, and, you know, it really had everyone pulling on the same side of the rope, and, um, you know, I, I felt if we stayed healthy, we'd have a chance. Cody, what was it like for you with some of the veteran pitchers, are there guys who helped you uh, in that first year, and in what way? Yeah, I actually uh, had some time to talk with, with both Evo this year, Ivaldi, and Martin Perez, and uh, after... Might have been my debut. Um, it was kind of rough against the Atlanta Braves. Martin kind of pulled me aside and just, you know, gave me a pat on the butt. It was like, hey, man, keep your head up. Sport's a hard sport. You're 
came into a tough situation, but you know, just take what you can, learn from this situation, and uh, apply it moving forward. And Martin was great to have down the bullpen, down the stretch as well. Um, another guy who's been in the major leagues for a long time doesn't quite have the playoff um, success that, that Araldis or Will Smith might have, but a guy that is calm and knows that you know the most important pitch is the one that you're making right now. It's not the one that, that you haven't made that's about to come up, and it's definitely not the one that you just made that might have gone over the fence. Right? It's the, it's you can only control right here, right now. I mean, give it all you got. So. And Josh, um, what was it like for you playing for Bruce Bochy as a role player, which is, you know, in my mind, the most difficult job on the team, being ready all the time and not knowing exactly when you're going to play and where you're going to play? Yeah, playing for Bochy was uh, pretty special. Um, kind of like they're saying, he's, he's never too high, never too low, super calm. Um, sometimes you don't know if you're playing until an hour before the game. Sometimes you do, so it's just kind of being mentally prepared for that. And I think, I think Boch is just such a good leader. Um, everybody has confidence in him. Um, he's just, yeah, he's, he's, he's the same guy every single day. Uh, he's not a big hoorah guy. I'm not going to get up in your face or anything, but just a super calming presence, and you just feel like you can trust him. Um, and I feel like a lot of guys kind of got behind him. Um, and obviously, his first year back with the team, he, wins a World Series, so he's, he's just a Hall of Fame manager, and um, we're lucky to be able to play for him. The topics next move forward into looking at the upcoming 2024 Texas Rangers season and discussing what it was like in the Rangers' dugout and bullpen during the World Series. All right, let's look ahead to this year. Cody, you're going to spring training with a, a shot to be in the starting rotation. Uh, how do you approach your off-season work? Have you already started throwing it? Yeah, I started uh, the day after the parade, actually. Uh, just trying to lift it and, and pretty much throwing. Yeah, you don't look too much in depth charts, you know. There's still a lot of off-season left and then some music to be made, but um, just ready to help the team, whatever role, you know, whether that's a bullpen role or starting role, kind of however I fit the, the puzzle, um, just want to be a contributor. What was the adjustment like moving to the bullpen? How tough was that on you after having made that a starting role? Yeah. It, it, Honestly, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh, just getting ready a little bit quicker and learned a lot about my body and how I don't need 30 minutes to warm up sometimes. It's, it's just five or six minutes. Just got to get quicker. Got to get or got to get ready a whole lot quicker. It was a big thing. How about you, Josh? What's your approach going into spring training? Uh, yeah, for me, the number one goal for, for me going into spring is to, one, make the team. Um, you know, nothing, nothing's ever guaranteed with that. So hopefully make a team and then um, just have a fun year. Um, control what I can. Um, I know I'm not playing short or second, you know, so I got to get that out, get that out of my head. Um, but just be, be a good teammate. Um, I think for me, being a good teammate um, helps me have fun, helps me connect with guys. And obviously, I'm, I mean, I want to win some games, but I think the number one thing is just to make a team and then let everything else fall into place. What was it like in the dugout during that final game of the World Series as those torturous first five and five or six innings went by with Diamondbacks in scoring position uh, every inning and, and Evaldi shutting the door every time? I think being on the bench is more nervous than actually playing in the game because you can't do anything. You know, like you're just sitting there watching your guys, like praying that they're getting out of it. 
But Avaldi did such an amazing job. Uh, I remember me, Brad, and Robbie Grossman just all kind of tensing up every pitch, you know, like every pitch is a nail biter. Every single pitch matters. Um, and then just kind of being there. And I remember in the, it was maybe the eighth, seventh or eighth, whenever Marcus hit his home run, I kind of remember looking at everybody and we're like, I think we're about to win the World Series. Like everybody just kind of looked at each other and just kind of knew what was going on. And uh, that's, that's just something I'll never forget. It was, it was awesome being able to watch uh, watch it happen, uh, front row seat for that, so something I'll never forget. What was it like in the bullpen, Brett? I know Jose Leclerc was warming up and we thought Mike pitched the ninth inning, would have been the third day in a row, and uh, then Marcus hits that home run, he didn't have to do it, but uh, what was that whole experience like? Like Josh was saying, every pitch is so intense, and when you're you know, 350 feet away, it's no different. Every pitcher is locked in. In between that batch, there's conversations going on, amongst the players, amongst myself, the bullpen catchers. Um, it's just a very, uh, someone asked me the experience and how, how much fun that I had. And I'll be honest, I didn't have a lot of fun. And it was one of the most stressful, but intense um, experiences of my life. And to Josh's point about not being on the field and being on the bench and um, you know, having to be more stressful, well, welcome to coaching, buddy. And so, you know, not being able to have really an impact on the game is, is Anxious, um, but um, you know those players—they put in the work, the preparation. You know, Jose Leclerc, to your point, closed it every single game. And uh, you know, this story I'm about to tell is—it's just a testament to his character. And um, you know, it's the eighth inning; it's his third day in a row. He's up on the mound, ready to go. I think he was on the mound for the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, wanting to go in. You know, anyone who who finishes out a game takes pride in closing out games, and Jose had done every single game. And this was the last game of the World Series. It could have been very easy for him to be upset about not closing out the World Series. And he was by far Josh Schwartz's biggest fan, screaming and yelling and wanting him to close out this game. So I have a lot of respect for Jose, um, you know, what he's done to this point and what he's going to do in the future. Um, you know, I just, I, I root for him a lot. But it was just a special experience, like in the dugout, the bullpen's no different. Very intense, very stressful. Tony, what do you feel going into this year about the difficulty of repeating as a World Series champion? Well, it's hard to repeat. Obviously, it hadn't been done in like, I don't know, 20 some years, 25 years, something like that. So, obviously, it's a really difficult task. Um, but if I feel like we still have the whole offensive team intact, pretty much. Um, you know, we, obviously, we know the pitching, we have some injuries there. Uh, we have some guys to get reinforced during the trade deadline, somewhere around there with, with the groom and Mallory who just signed and, and Scherzer. So I just feel like if we can keep things together up until the All-Star break, we don't necessarily have to be in first place, um, but if we're, if we're in the hunt by the All-Star break and then we get those reinforcements back on, this, on the mound, then look out for the Rangers. You guys believe? At the beginning of the luncheon, the Rangers announced to the crowd that Adrian Beltre had been elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. This wasn't public information yet, so those who visited the Texas Sports Hall of Fame were given a special treat with that advanced piece of news. Memories of Adrian Beltre were shared during the Lone Star Luncheon with the Texas Rangers. I came in 15, and Adrian was here, so 15, 16, until he retired. 
uh, I was fortunate enough to, to, to be an infield coach at that time and to, uh, to be around Adrian Deltre every day. And I mean, I'm probably not telling you guys anything you don't know if, you, if you're a Texas Rangers fan. Everyone's watched Adrian, you know how he plays, the enthusiasm in which he played the game of baseball, how he prepared though. I mean, I've, I've never seen a guy that's that good work that hard. Um, you know, a lot of guys that are gold lovers that can naturally do things at third base, they don't put in the work like he does. I mean, he, he took a bucket of balls every day, every single day. We were in the old stadium, it's hot. We weren't in luxury now in the luxury suite stadium. We were in the old stadium where it was 100 plus degrees most of the summer. And he'd get out there and you hit him a whole bucket of balls and he was on his knees. He, he didn't want the same ground ball. He wanted different types of balls that challenged him, some close, some back, uh, but he worked his butt off. And I've never seen a tougher guy who played through injuries. Uh, he had a surgery and had a pin in his hand and he couldn't squeeze his glove, nor could he hold the bat. And so Banny was like, you know, we got to put Adrian on the DL. And Adrian went in that office and said, I'm playing. He's like, there's no way you can play, Adrian. You can't squeeze the glove. You can't squeeze the bat. And he says, I can knock the ball down, which he did. He couldn't close his glove. He literally could not close his glove. But he would knock balls down, just use his glove to stop the ball, pick it up and throw the guy out first. But I've never seen anybody do the stuff he's done. He's, and he said, I've got one swing per at bat that I can take. Because after that one swing, it's going to be too painful to try to swing again. And he said, but I can't miss my pitch. And he did it. I've, I've never seen stuff like this. We're in the playoffs in Toronto, and this guy gets a base hit, and I think it was Odor scores, or Delano DeShields scored from second. So I'm scoring him, I wasn't watching. And the play was at the plate, and we're safe at the plate. And Adrian's still not at first base yet, because he kind of messed his back up on his swing, and he's running the first like that. And he stayed there all night trying to prepare himself to be able to play the next day. I mean, the toughest guy I've ever seen play the game of baseball, but the most enthusiastic and fun guy. Like, his love for the game, his love for his teammates, his respect for the game, uh, his ability to hold you accountable and, 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 and raise your level of play is just, you know, unmatched. And uh, so, it's just a joy and an honor to, to say that I was a part of, of being able to be on the field with Adrian Beltre and, and watch him play the game of baseball because he did it at such a high level and for such a long time. My Adrian Beltre story in 2014, uh, when I was up there for a Hall of Fame weekend, uh, I was coming back one night, it was pretty late at night, and. Brooks Robinson called out to me across the hotel lobby and he said, uh, hey, Eric, come on over here. I want you to do me a favor. So I walked over there and, and Brooks said, I want you to tell Adrian Beltre that, you know, I live in Arkansas and I can get the Ranger games and I watch every Ranger game specifically so I can watch Adrian play third base. And this is Brooks Robinson. He has one more, more gold gloves at third than anybody else. And the guy really who third base excellence is measured by saying that, you know, he watched Adrian every day. And I told Adrian and he got this huge smile on his face and clearly appreciated uh, what that meant. When we return, we'll hear answers to questions the audience asked the Rangers 
and listen in on highlights from the press conference held after the Lone Star Luncheon with the world champion Texas Rangers. On the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, presented by the Fairfield Inn and Suites, Waco North. Hi guys, this is the Rocket, Roger Clemens, and you're listening to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast. When you come to Waco, be sure to stay at the Fairfield Inn and Suites, Waco North. Located just a short distance from the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. You'll start your day off with a delicious complimentary breakfast, and you'll also enjoy the Fairfield Inn and Suites free Wi-Fi fitness center, and pool. Next time you bring your team to Waco, make the Fairfield Inn and Suites Waco North your home base on the road. Welcome back to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast featuring members of the 2023 World Champion Texas Rangers presented by the Fairfield Inn and Suites Waco North. Attendees of the Lone Star Luncheon were invited to ask questions. Rangers play-by-play announcer Eric Nadell, a member of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame's media wing, spoke about his roots in New York and his early days as a broadcaster in Dallas. You know, having come to Texas you know, as a, a native New Yorker and having moved to Texas in 1976 on Bicentennial Day to be the voice of the Dallas Blackhawks hockey team, um, never thinking that I would be here very long. You know, for one thing, my goal at that time was to be a National Hockey League announcer, and Dallas didn't have a National Hockey League team. Uh, growing up in New York, I was a huge New York Rangers fan, and Marv Albert was the broadcaster for the Rangers, and I loved him, and he, more than anybody, was the one who inspired me to do this for a living. And when people would ask me what I was going to do when I grew up, I would tell them, well, I'm going to be the radio announcer for the Rangers. <laughs> I didn't specify which Rangers. But for me to have come down here in 1976 as a hockey announcer, thinking I probably, hopefully, wouldn't be here very long because I'd be getting a National Hockey League job at some point, you know, to get to this point where I've had the, the privilege of being with the Texas Rangers now for over 45 years, uh, you know, I'm just so incredibly grateful. And then to be installed in the Hall of Fame with a whole bunch of people, you know, in the media wing who were my heroes and my idols, including Brad Sham, you know, former partner of mine briefly with the Rangers, uh, is just an incredible honor. An audience member then asked the players how they stay focused throughout the game if they're not in the starting lineup. I think being able to, to kind of be locked in for that many games comes with one, the work we're probably putting in right now in the off season to prepare your body for that. But I think what, what really is a big big deal is having guys that you like being around. Um, if you if you like being around guys, you want to be around them. You trust them. You don't want to you don't want to let them down. You don't want to lose focus to, to let them down and to cost your team. So I think I think just having a good locker room makes uh, makes going to work fun for us, especially for me. I, I love going in every single day, goofing off with the guys, just kind of relaxing. Um, I think that helps you kind of stay locked in for 162, just having a good support group around you. 
After the luncheon completed, a short media conference was held at the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in front of the exhibit honoring the World Series champions. Pitcher Cody Bradford grew up a Rangers fan, and he was asked how much he thought about Rangers history as he helped create it during 2023. I was thinking about it a lot. I, I was in middle school in 7th and 8th grade when in 2010-2011 we lost the World Series. And I remember watching on TV the missed catch, Nelson Cruz, I remember seeing Cliff Lee hit a double off the wall against the Giants. Like I remember living all those moments as a kid and it's really full circle when I get to step back during the World Series and be like, holy smokes, Like I'm on the team that, that has a chance to do it now. And, my grandparents, my parents remind me all the time. Like, it's a childhood's dream, but it, it comes true sometimes. And um, just really grateful for, for the opportunity. Eric Nadal, who has worked for the Rangers since the 1970s, spoke on what it was like for him to see the Rangers win their first ever championship. Incredibly satisfying. Uh, joyful. Euphoric. It was like... For me, you know, 46 years of frustration uh, erased. And especially thinking back to the heartbreak of 2011 to finally finish off a World Series and win was just so gratifying. And then to see the response of the fans when we came home, uh, you know, over 500,000 people at the parade, it was, it was really very emotional for me. In 2023, the Rangers held a two-and-a-half-game lead in the AL West with seven games remaining. The Rangers lost four out of the next seven and ended up tied with the Houston Astros for the division lead. The Astros held the tiebreaker, however, and the Rangers lost a chance at a bye and were forced to go on the road to face the Tampa Bay Rays in the wildcard round. Brett Hayes and Josh Smith discussed the Rangers' late-season slide and how the team recovered to win the World Series. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was tough. Um, instead of having a whole week off with our families and just kind of hang out in Texas, we had to fly from Seattle to Tampa, which is a pretty, pretty deep flight. Um, going into it, we weren't playing the best of ball. Um, and then we went to Tampa. Once we beat Tampa, it kind of started to feel real, like we had a chance to, to do something, and that was, that was pretty cool. For us, once you got in the playoffs and you won that first round, everybody's equal, you know. It, it didn't matter what you did in the regular season. Uh, it just mattered who played the best in that series. Um, and so I think that's, that's we got hot at the right time, and I think we played, played really good. You know, really all season this team went through a lot of adversity, lots of tough games here and there, a tough injury. But, you know, to their credit, you know, their motto, they always got back up. So whether it was the, the tough game, the walk-off in San Francisco, or you know, the playoff home run with Altuve, or the loss you know, at the end of the year in Seattle, you know, it, it was a very forward-thinking team. You know, they obviously were upset in the moment, but the second they closed their eyes at night, put their head in the pillow, and then when they woke up, it was a new day, and they were, they were worried about winning that day's game. So that starts at the top with Chris Young and um, you know, Boach. You know, just, they, they set the tone, the expectations, and everyone got lined and got, it was just it was just a very uh, determined focused team. Eric Nadell added his thoughts on how the Rangers overcame adversity throughout the season and in the playoffs. 
To do it despite the injuries they had, you know, losing Corey Seager twice for extended periods of time, uh, losing Josh Young for a long time, using, losing Jonah Heim, Jacob deGrom pitched only a few times, he was the big free agent acquisition, you know, then in the World Series to lose Adolis for the last couple of games, lose Max Scherzer in the middle of the World Series, uh, and still, you know, wind up winning, uh, not to mention winning despite a bullpen that was, you know, up and down you know, throughout the course of the year, actually having more blown saves than saves. You know, the Rangers did a lot of really weird things on the way to winning the World Series, uh, not to mention the 11-0 uh, record on the road in postseason. It was, uh, it was a very, very different World Series team from most. It was mystifying, because uh, they haven't been a great road team during the regular season. They actually lost more road games than they won. And to see them play that way on the road, I think we, we started thinking there was something special going on, you know, after they won the two games in Tampa and went to Baltimore and then won those two games in Baltimore. And then we realized that, you know, I don't know why, but this is a completely different road team than it's been all seasons. You know, something happened in Seattle or on the way from Seattle to Tampa, and now this team, you know, believes in itself on the road. Uh, things are different in the playoffs. You know, the team eats breakfast together on the road in the playoffs. You don't do that during the regular season. Uh, a lot of the travel logistics are different. The, the players had their families with them, you know, which sometimes is a good thing, sometimes is a bad thing. In the case of our team, it was definitely a good thing. Maybe that had something to do with the road success. It, I haven't really heard a good explanation for it, but something was definitely different. Texas Ranger Adolis Garcia had a monstrous record-setting postseason. His 22 postseason RBIs is an all-time record. Tony Beasley and Josh Smith talked about Garcia and his playoff magic. Adolis lives for these moments and, and situations like that. Like he's, I mean, if you can remember when he first broke in with us, like uh, Guzman got hurt, he stepped in in Tampa and he proceeded to get game-winning hit after game-winning hit after game-winning hit. Like every time like there's a moment and the game's on the line, he's the guy that wants to, to be there. He embraces the, the big moments. And so not surprised at all that, that he was able to do the things that he, that he did. And uh, he, has a, he has a calm demeanor and he's always even killed. And I think that's what serves our team well is that our star players, are, they're not high and low players. Like, and that starts in the middle with Seager and Simeon. They're consistent every day. They don't get too high. They don't get down. They just believe. And uh, that's what we did as a team. We just believed. And uh, that's why what Adolis does, it doesn't ever surprise me. Yeah, he's special. Um, I don't think we would have, we would definitely wouldn't have won it without him. Uh, I think he hit like, felt like 10 home runs. Um, he was just, he was so clutch for us. Um, but it's it's expected of him. He's he's such a good teammate. Works his butt off. He's just determined. Um, he's he's just awesome. He's he meant everything to us. And for him to have that postseason was it's not shocking. The Texas Rangers winter caravan gives Rangers fans throughout the Lone Star State a chance to interact with the team. Brett Hayes, Tony Beasley, and Josh Smith spoke about the support they've seen on this year's caravan. But you get to really see um, kind of how far reaching that, you know, something like this, you know, the impact it has just outside the DFWR, you know, the, the Waco community, you know, 
we don't get down here much. When we do, we, we feel the support. And, you know, especially after a World Series win, you just see how important it was to everybody. Um, it just makes it so much uh, more worth it and uh, to, to do it for the fans and, you know, as far-reaching as, 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 uh, as it was. Yeah, I mean, it, it's feel good. I mean, you, you can see the difference from this year and past years as far as the enthusiasm. And so just the, the fans, they love it. And so they, they recognize that you know, we're World Series champions and they are World Series champions as well because they are Ranger fans. It's exciting. Uh, you kind of, you're in the Dallas area, so you don't realize how, how many fans are outside of Dallas and then to come here, uh, have a good, good crowd, good showing. It's really fun. Um, these fans kind of mean everything to us, so to, to, to have their support and to come out here and do this is, is really cool for us. You dream about these as a kid. Uh, it's the reason you play the game. Um, just to kind of be here and see all these things, kind of reminisce on, on the World Series to go back and a couple months ago and just kind of dream about it again. You know, it's, it's, it's a really cool opportunity. And then to just to, to have all this stuff here, is, it's pretty special. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast presented by the Fairfield Inn and Suites, Waco North. We invite you to Waco to attend one of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame's great events or to see the Texas Sports Hall of Fame's magnificent displays of Texas sports history. When you visit, be sure to book your stay at the Fairfield Inn and Suites, Waco North. Located just a few minutes from the Texas Sports Hall of Fame, it's a home run of a choice to stay when you're in Waco.